Welcome back to Hoops, episode two. Alongside Miss Post, I'm Mr. Thomas, your two teacher cat hosts. First episode of success, I'd say. What do you think, Miss Post? Yeah, I think so. Good start. Um, you know, not too much that we had uh, planned for how this will go, but, you know, we're excited to see it grow. Yeah, we're trying to keep it fun. I mean, obviously, the more episodes you do, the the more work you try to put in, make it the best it can be, but it's supposed to be just fun. A little platform, we got a lot of good stuff to say, so might as well uh, share it to the world. Mm-hmm. So let's talk teaching, Miss Post. Tell us some, some teaching news from the last week or so since since we've been on the air. Um, it's It's been an interesting week. Um, definitely had some of my hardest days in the last week, but they've all been growing opportunities and um, it's always great to collaborate with other teachers and figure out what management systems work. So um, I'm testing out a little uh, management system in my room right now where I have uh, classroom jobs for different um, uh, people that are at seats and color-coordinated dots are going to help them figure out what job they have. So I'm hoping to test that out tomorrow and see if that uh, minimizes some of the chaos that happens during class. Excellent. And, you know, trial and error is a great way to learn, especially as a young teacher. You know, that's what makes teaching great is the ability to put in, put in work like that and try different things and, and see what works. Kudos to you, Miss Post. Thank you. And what about you, Mr. Thomas? Yeah, I've had a good week. Uh, today we started reading stations, which I think is probably my favorite part of, of teaching just because I've guaranteed to meet with each group. And it just is a lot of efficiency i think a big thing for me is making sure i'm able to meet with kids one-on-one or in a small group and that definitely ensures that i can and you know once they get running it's very minimal distraction because the rest of the kids are doing their group at their group work and i can focus on the kids i'm with so it's it's definitely a, a way to hold myself accountable and make sure i get that time with them and it's consistent and everything and so it, it's a lot of fun and you know they're real sweet it's a great class it, it's it's been a good adjustment at this school and you know, it's just kids are great, man. It's a lot of fun and obviously a lot of work and some days are tougher than others, but it's very fulfilling and, you know, it's hard to think of something else I'd rather do than, than be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And for folks that don't know us personally, uh, Mr. Thomas is a well-loved teacher by all of his students. Um, that's kind of his reputation in the school is that, you know, his kids and students really look up to him and respect him. So, um He's humble about it. He doesn't really brag on himself too much, but I'll do that for him. He's well-loved. Oh, that's very sweet, Miss Post. Take him by surprise here. That's very kind of you to say. Um, I, it does mean a lot when kids get excited to see me and things like that. I would brag on you right now, but I don't want to make the listeners roll their eyes too much because they true. probably just did based on what you said, but that that's is very true. sweet. Thank Sorry you. And... Ironically, kind of funny, a student did say she loved me today, which was very cute. <laughs> it's also very cute when students call you daddy, or in the one case, a student called me mommy my first year, which was awesome. Because <laughs> I believe she just lived with her mom, so she just said, mommy, I mean, Mr. T, I mean, that's just so mm-hmm. precious. I mean, that's just kind of like, those are the little things that just mean a lot. And, you know, you see so much of the kids that it's it's cool that they, mm-hmm. you know, that they get confused sometimes. It's it, it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. But thank you, Miss Post. That's very kind. I know your students love and respect you as well. Yeah, I had a, a challenging class today, actually. And at the end, one of the students um, generally said, genuinely said to me that she's like, oh, I enjoy this class so much. 
And it just means a lot to me when even a class is going how you would not want it to. There's always some students that are gaining something from it and you have to focus on them as well um, and not lose sight of what they're gaining from your teaching. Exactly, and you're always making a difference no matter how bad or how well it's going. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I'm happy for you, Ms. Paul. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, speaking of that, let's let's delve in a bit to uh, our our teacher talk today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about about teacher expectations. Shout out to my boy Adam, a second shout out in as many episodes, Dr. Shaw, JV Corona Bro, also known as. Uh, We talk a lot about the savior complex teachers. So a little backstory on myself for those that aren't familiar. I was a sub before I became a full-time teacher. And when I first started subbing, you know, I had the attitude of you got to do whatever it takes as a teacher. And, you know, it kind of just, you have to adjust in the long hours and things like that. And when I started subbing, you know, it was a great experience. I loved it. And you learned so much. One thing I realized was you really can't, you're only one man. In some, in my case, sometimes you're only one woman. Mm-hmm. Those are the choices you have. Right. Uh, but anyway, there's only so much I can do, especially within that seven-hour time frame. You know, I can't control what happens before the kids come to school or after or even when they're not in the classroom. The only thing you can do is, is, is what, what the expectations are for them when they're inside those walls. And so one thing that was important to me was really having that work-life balance. And not only that, but just recognizing how many other societal factors are at play in terms of the environment and atmosphere and things like that. I mean, th- think, about, think about scientifically things that happen before a kid gets to school. You got the prenatal process. You got the postnatal. You got early childhood. You got toddler. You know, trauma. Trauma is a big buzzword nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about all those things children come in with. And, yeah. you know, the, the at times Herculean task that teachers are asked with, you can't even embrace that. Just You can't even embrace that a little bit. You have to just kind of disregard all that and just do your best and say, you know what, when they're within those walls, they're going to be loved, they're going to be cared for, they're going to be pushed, and that's it. That's it. You know, it, it does nobody any good to to put on that Superman cape. And especially as a Christian, you know, who am I to, to offset the, the power of sin and the many societal factors that are at play? Again, that's a, it's a very high responsibility within those walls, but outside of that, there's nothing I can do. And so I think you have to give yourself that grace to know that you are just one small cog in the young student's life. And the most important thing you can do is to be a positive role model and to give them stability and respect and consistency. And independent of that, there's not much else you can do knowing what they come in with and what they go home with sometimes. What do you, mm-hmm. what, what do you think, Ms. Post? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of crazy when we expect our students to have some other level of, I don't know, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but when we expect something different from our students than we do of ourselves, like we can't expect our students to be perfect every day, every week, every month or year, if we can't even expect that of ourselves, um, you know, there's going to be good days for us as well and harder days for us. I mean, some days we may not get as much sleep. Something could be going on in our living situation. Someone, something could be going on in our families that, you know, our students don't know of. And so we carry in a set of, you know, burdens each day into school, and so do our students. And, you know, we have to be sympathetic to each other's burdens that we're carrying and 
be able to work together. And, you know, it's a good practice for life because every person you meet is dealing with something, no matter how perfect their lives may seem. And so it's a good opportunity for us to practice that empathy. Excellent point, Ms. Post. And I think that that can be taken so far in either direction. One direction, you can let kids run roughshod because of all the trauma they've dealt with, things like that. Other direction, you can really just not embrace that at all and just kind of have this mm-hmm. military-like expectation of of what should be done. And I think there's definitely a healthy middle ground. Now, I, I think I run a very tight ship. I've been a little looser with COVID because mm-hmm. of, I've re- re- gained a newfound respect for freedom. Right. But you still run a tight ship, and, and the biggest thing is not disrupting other students' learning. But what I was going to say was, you're exactly right, Miss Pill. Sometimes it's, it's, you just let the kids know, hey, I'm tired today. I'm having a hard time. I'm not mm-hmm. in the mood for this, things like that. And, and, and that just shows, you know, you're human too. Or even sometimes if you are too hard on them and say, I'm sorry, that's my fault. You know, that goes a long way too to be able to admit that you messed up, admit that you were wrong. And, of course, that hopefully and usually leads to them being more open to saying, hey, you know, that's my fault too or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And I think that's important to, to show the kids that you make mistakes too, mm-hmm. you're still the authority figure, you're still in charge, but you're going to own up when you mess up and that's what you expect them to do as well. Right, right. And you're going to have off days, it's like they're going to have off days, but you need to channel, channel that into doing your job and that's, mm-hmm. that's what we try to pass on to the kids as well. You can't, right. you can't, take, you can't take time off every single day mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's hard because as teachers, you always have to be on and that's what makes it a challenging job but also rewarding is, mm-hmm. is the fact that you have to be on for these however many kids every single day it can take you away and be the escape you need but can also weigh on you a lot and mm-hmm. that's something where you know getting through that journey is is very is very uh rewarding yeah i'm always a big fan of the word modeling <laughs> you know if you are expecting a behavior from your students you should be the first person to do that in that classroom um before your students do it so whether that's, you know, behavior when you're watching a video or um, voice levels even, you know, I, it kind of bugs me sometimes when teachers expect their kids to be quiet, but they're not even being quiet. (laughs) Obviously, you have to be loud enough to get their attention, but, you know, model those behaviors, model those expectations for your students, and it'll take time, but they should be able to catch on eventually to what you're expecting of them. Exactly, Miss Post, and and that's one of the coolest things about teaching is when students do come around and appreciate the process, appreciate the routines, and appreciate the stability you've given them. Mm-hmm. They'll buy into that, and mm-hmm. sometimes it takes all year. Sometimes it won't be until they come back next year, but they'll appreciate your consistency and they'll fall in line with that. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about the school closings here shortly, mm-hmm. but leading into that, going back to being on all the time, you know, and many listeners at home know that Mr. Thomas likes to speak his mind. I'm never going to succumb to the pressure from the mob or, or, or any man for that matter. I mean, you know, as, if I have an opinion about something, I'm not going to stay quiet. If, if someone else is, is voicing their opinion, if it's not talked about, it's not talked about, but I'm never going to just stifle my own views out of fear of, 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 of an invisible Twitter mob. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, you know, one reason I'm grateful for that mentality is a couple of years ago going through protocol shout out to my boy Wally for the protocol metaphor that we've come up with but it was 
this is such a trying time. And again, all glory to God for getting me through that time and, and helping me grow and things like that. And led me to many new myth posts, which I'm grateful for that, of course. But it was just one thing that helped me get through that time. And what God used was just being in school with the students and just sticking it through, you know, so many Mondays just wanted to stay home and just was feeling miserable. And, you know, listeners at home, again, shout out to Adam. He knows that. Uh, but looking back now, being able to get through that time and to just keep pushing through the grace, grace and thanks be to God. You know, it, it just so shows it's mutual. Not only was I there for the kids, but the kids were there for me. And sometimes, you know, just knowing that I had to be there for the kids. There was times when I didn't even think I deserved to have a teaching job because I was just really being an idiot. But besides that, I was beating myself up. And so I said, okay, well, even though I don't deserve this, I'm going to do it for the kids because they need me. And then just, again, it's a mutual, it's a mutual relationship of mm -hmm. appreciation. And that's also what makes teaching very mm -hmm. special. And anyway, there you go, listeners. Now you get inside scoop into uh, Mr. T here on Scoops. <laughs> no, I like the, the, the action of serving your students. I mean, we have our, our greatest, um, inspiration to that is Jesus, right? Serving his disciples and serving those that are, um, I guess, lower than him, right? And we can sometimes think of that as our students as well, to serve them, be there for them. I had a day recently where some paint had spilled in the classroom. I mean, it's an art room, it's going to happen, right? But it was um, an intentional act, so I was pretty upset about it. But I got down on the floor and started scrubbing it, and I just wanted to show that to students, like, I'm not going to make you guys clean up, but I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to clean this up for you guys, and sure enough, a couple students actually volunteered and said, Miss Post, can I help you clean that, and it was just a sweet moment where they um, kind of gathered and helped me as well, so I think it's just important that we as teachers are someone that our students can look up to, and you know, it's a growing process, and some days you don't feel like you deserve to be there. And I know I know that feeling too, but um, you do. You deserve to be there. If you've got that kind of mindset, <laughs> I think that says something big about you. That's very nice of you, Miss Post. I would not have helped them clean it up if it was their own mess. <laughs> I would have told them they're going to do it because I'm not the maid, but I, good for you. I definitely thought of you in that moment. I appreciate that. Well, anyway, so we're segueing now. You know we've got to get in our, 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 our current current issues discussion not going to be as much on the mask, although we always throw in something about that. Cats at home know me. But we're going to talk about the school closings because we talked about kind of the importance of being there and, of course, the stability for the kids and things like that. You know, and, and everybody knows that education is the great equalizer, and it's one of the few ways that can help offset inequities that exist in the world. And, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's a stretch to say that closing schools was probably the biggest policy failure in our country. My boy Clay Travis said since Vietnam, some say the Iraq war, but I think, you know, definitely up there with those two. And let's just kind of review the timeline. You know, it's interesting, Miss Post, when COVID first hit, you heard some things about it January, February. I remember I was out with my boys, shout out to Nathaniel, my best friend, Big Red, and also Adam, JV Corona, bro. We were out at Yogi's and this is like probably two days before school even got shut down and IU had just went online. You were kind of just, you know, eerie feeling around, not really knowing, but of course it didn't really affect us yet because it was just kind of like okay this is just, it's around but then of course NBA player Rudy Gobert tested positive and that's when everything got shut down March Madness sports and then of course schools and it was just kind of this weird thing like you never expect that 
that something like that would happen. And of course, at the time, I'm, I'm sure people would, would accept, as we say, you know, a, a brief shutdown, LOL, two weeks to slow the spread. Allegedly, Allegedly. at home, folks, everything that says is everything alleged. that said is alleged. Everything that said is alleged. Um, but, you know, of course, shutdowns w- were terrible at all for the kids, but we just didn't really know. It was a new virus. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike what they say now, we actually didn't know what was going on with the virus at that time. And so schools are shut down, and then we kind of get into the summer, and, you know, cases were ebbing and flowing. The surge kind of hit mid-July, and then it was ending a bit. But as, as in my third board meeting speech, as, as I said, more than 3 million students, at least, at least, didn't log in at all last year to online learning, whether it's because they just didn't show up or withdrew or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not even counting the ones that didn't show up or that or that failed, things like that. So, you know, it's just very sad and honestly just amazing that we failed those kids so much by not even showing up at all. And ironically, it's like the same people now that pound the table for masks are like, oh, well, if we don't wear masks, we got to go back online. And they're the same ones that made us go online in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's like if they say, oh, if you don't wear this, I'm going to punch you in the face again. It's like, well, you're punching me in the face to begin with. Why are you doing that? That's a, that, that, that's yeah. a silly choice anyway. They, they chose it the first time. Exactly. It's like they're using their own stupid decision mm-hmm. to justify another stupid decision yeah. that they're making. So, yeah. Miss Post, go ahead. I got to gather my thoughts. Oh. You go ahead. <laughs> Getting too fired up here. Too fired up, but always. Um, well, I think my take on this whole... Um, school closing that we had is just I'm seeing the you know the ripple effects of it and the ripples get bigger and bigger you know as each year and month and school year goes on I mean this is now our third school year that has been affected by this and that that can compound um, with each year and obviously things were I was in a different school last year when I was um, beginning to teach so it's a hard comparison to draw, but I definitely see that it has impacted these children in some pretty um, profound ways, just socially, emotionally, um, and physically too, just having them to adjust to a classroom environment, some more structure, um, and then just the learning components too. I just, I think there's a lot of room for them to go, and it just seems like we have such a younger generation now than before. Well, and I think the the ultimate irony is, you know, again, teachers unions, those that preach equity, the ultimate inequity was taking kids out of school. Yeah. Because who could at least afford to be away from the classroom? It's those that had the basic needs of, of meals at school Mm-hmm. social workers, stability, friends, whatever it may be, yeah. not to mention the academics and not to mention just hope. Mm-hmm. So the poorest among us were hurt the most by school shutdowns, especially those in big cities. Many major cities were online, cough, cough, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Many low and minority students live in big cities. So how this despite just the the sheer stupidity of that policy notice the hypocrisy of preaching equity and then not allowing kids to be in school to actually have a chance to reduce the gaps in equity that we care so much about allegedly mm-hmm. in the world and one thing i want to point out we're going to switch gears a bit i i think to covid treatment and things like that but 
I believe in my second board meeting speech last year from December 15th, I think it was. Again, shout out to my boy Adam, JV Corona Broly. You watch that. Uh, 31%, there was a 31% increase in mental health related emergency department visits among adolescents aged 12 to 17 yeah. from, uh, I believe, summer 2019 to summer 2020. I'm not sure the exact age range, but that stat is correct, I know. And that's according to the CDC. Mm. So, again, the Almighty, right? Almighty yeah. CDC. Amen yeah. in this post. <laughs> so, not only do does COVID minimally affect kids, which we knew by last summer, by the way, but that's fine. But now they're being hurt in other ways by having more stress, more anxiety, mental illness, which they already have a lot of anyway because of social media and smartphones and things. Mm -hmm. So now that's just being exasperated by school shutdowns and telling them, you know, don't touch grandma, don't touch anybody, don't see your friends. Right. And I'm not going to delve too much into this, but in what world also do we sacrifice the youngest among us? Yeah. Most societies uphold youth and, and put their needs first no matter what because it's about their development and their future. Whereas we basically said, no, we need to shut down everything, including youth sports, youth activities for a virus. Basically, so if a child gets out of sports or drops out of school or whatever it may be and dies in 15 years from not having health insurance, is that better than dying of COVID at age seven? I mean, I, I just don't, I don't really know if I, if I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, we're now starting to compare and put place different values on different ways that you die. Obviously... It should be known that a death is a death, and it's not going to be good either way, or bad either way, um, or worse, I should say, in some other way. So it's just absurd that we're now getting to the point where it's like, oh, that's okay if you die this way, or, well, that's all right. It's justified if it's this way, but absurd if it's another way. Exactly, and the saddest thing is in 15 years when today's youth will actually when statistically it will show how their earnings were affected and things like that, the same people that made those decisions will blame something else besides themselves, mm -hmm. whether it's quote-unquote systemic racism or Donald Trump or whatever it may be. They will blame anything but the shutdowns that they implemented. Yeah. And we're going to do a, our own episode solely devoted to CDC's flip-flopping, but delving back into the negative effects of shutdowns, First off, they said to shut down everything. My boy Ron DeSantis in Florida was taking heat for leaving beaches open, even, even though reality, A, outside is healthy, and being outside is one of the safest places you can be in a pandemic. Never forget that it took till, till April, I believe, April 2021 for the CDC to say that you don't need to wear a mask outdoors. Vaccinated people don't need to wear a mask outdoors. What world, what sense does that make? You got to be kidding me. Whoever thought that you needed to wear a mask outdoors anyway. And, and, we know there's an obesity problem in our country. That's why we had such a large number of deaths. Age and obesity were one of the oldest nations and we have one of the more obese nations. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We shut down playgrounds. We shut down youth sports. We shut down high school sports. So kids have no form of getting exercise or organized form. So then they're not able to be healthy. In some cases, they get more unhealthy which leads to more health problems, which leads to them being affected by the next wave of COVID or the next COVID that happens down the road. What sense does that make? Yeah, and we shut people inside their homes, which is where the air is most concentrated and most unfiltered, where if you go outside, you're going to get that fresh air 
and the movement and the things that actually keep your body healthy and fight off um, any sort of illness, really. And just exposure to other people is going to keep you healthier. I mean, that's why kids have the best immune systems because they're some of the dirtiest, you know, of our human beings because they're just messier. And so they, they develop those better immune systems. And I'm not saying let's go roll around and touch everyone that has COVID, but it's kind of counterproductive to quarantine yourself away when you're still healthy and you could be getting even healthier by exposing yourself to just random germs. And that's something else we'll see in 15 years is when kids have even weaker immune systems in their 20s because they never got exposed to anything as kids. Um, again, I'm sure Trump will be blamed for that or, or some some law that was passed that was yeah. probably climate change will be blamed. But kids need to be exposed to those pathogens and you develop that immune system. Thanks be to God, kids aren't really affected by COVID. So if they did come across it, in most cases, especially, especially, especially if you're healthy, you really have no symptoms, maybe cold-like, flu-like, whatever. But again, being exposed to those pathogens helps your immune system down the road. And of course, being outside, exercise, not only is it safe, but it's healthy. Which leads to my next point in this post is it took till March 2021, according to my boy, Dr. Marty Macri, uh, a physician who doesn't buy into the COVID fear porn. He wrote this op-ed in the journal. He said that it took till March of 2021 for the CDC to even say that 78% of hospitalized patients were overweight or obese. 78%. That's huge. I'm not going to get into the fat shaming and things like that. I hope, I hope the mob is listening to this and, and points out to their, to their uh, um, inglings, whatever it's called, that I'm a, I'm a tall, skinny man because that is true. Yes. However, fat, as my boy Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. If you're not healthy, you're going to be more affected by COVID if you did get it. And so any other illness. <laughs> any other illness. Exactly. I mean, there's a reason your doctors tell you to lose weight. Exactly. <laughs> They're trying to keep you healthy. So 78% of patients in the hospital were overweight or obese, which, again, is, a, is an inconvenient truth, but that's just the way it is. So my larger point is not even about that and the fact that they misled about who's actually at risk and things like that. But we're still, after 18 months, focused on things like masks and distancing instead of things like, you know, not treating your body like shit and being healthy. And I don't understand. First off, if you deny that and say that's fat shaming, who are you helping? Mm -hmm. Because being unhealthy is not is not a good thing. It's not something we should encourage in society. Yeah. No one should be fat shamed. That's that's an issue of culture and the Internet. But you should encourage people to be healthy and not say that no matter what you look like, you're fine because that's not true. And we've seen the effects of that right now. So again, how is that equitable to say that it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what you look like? Yeah, let's not normalize that, right? That's a big buzzword in today's society is normalizing things. Exactly. Um, exactly. They love to normalize that all bodies are beautiful, and yes, all bodies are beautiful and created in God's image, but. <laughs> Beautiful doesn't mean healthy, so let's let's get healthy. And creating God's image means take care of the body God gave you. Mm-hmm. But the larger point about this I want to make is, again, we're still act, acting like masks are this holy grail of treatment 
instead of, again, after 18 months, not one, not two, not three, after 18 months, we're still focused on things like that instead of getting your body in shape. And so if you do get COVID, it's very minimal or much less severe than if you're, if you're not very healthy and you get it and you're more screwed. So why is that not a focus? I'll tell you why, because you can't, you can't blame the government or you can't blame, uh, uh, the anti-maskers if it's, if, if you talk about personal accountability and getting yourself in shape, you have to, you have to take responsibility and no one's going to say it. It's easier to blame Trump or the government or climate change or anti-maskers instead of saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe you should get, get your body in shape so that you're actually healthy and that COVID is much less severe. The narrative can always be spun however you want it to be. Right. I mean, every news clip, every, image you see on TV is always hand-picked. It's never um, candid. <laughs> There's always a scripted, a glossed-over image that's giving you a certain message that they want you to know. So anything that comes out of this whole pandemic, you know, years from now can always be spun into whatever narrative you want it to be. I mean, let's take our history books, for example. We talk a lot about how they're, um, you know, have white privilege in them and glorify white Westerners that overtook um, indigenous people's land in America and um, how now we need to change that narrative and tell it truthfully. And I guess I, I always wonder how this story will be told years from now in some child's history book in school. Great point, Miss Post. And we won't delve into the COVID origins yet. That'll be a story for a different day. And we talk about censorship, yeah. uh, but you're exactly right. And again, you know, you would think that after all this scare, people would prioritize their health. Of course, they won't. And again, why? Because just like anything in society, it's easier to play the victim than to accept responsibility and to say, I'm not going to depend on someone else or the government for my own health and well-being. Right. And that's just something that, you know, many politicians refuse to say because they want to get votes and because they want people to think that, you know, they're saviors of the world that will give them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And that's not really how the world works, and, you know, statistically speaking, that's not good policy. Right, right. They want respect and dependency <laughs> Exactly. the American people. Exactly. Uh, no matter how they get it, they want it. Exactly. Uh, closing thoughts. Again, schools should have been open. It's obvious now. If anybody goes back online, I mean, I, I, don't, I can't even put into words just like how incomprehensibly stupid that would be. I think I've heard it's happening. I've heard that too, and and not even because of quarantine, just because of quote unquote precautions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand people think. Do people think that because there's not a positive COVID test, there's not COVID going on in the schools and classrooms? I mean, I just I just don't understand that. But yeah. we'll just see how it goes. Again, no justification for it. Absolutely horrid. Uh, just a terrible policy. Terrible for kids and just shameful. Shameful all the way around. Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about how kids are at low risk from COVID. This week we're talking about how there's many other factors at play, not only from closing schools, which is which is way worse. There's no comparison between having to wear a mask and closing schools. Closing schools is by far the most shameful outcome and the worst possible thing you could do. Wearing masks is inconvenient and it has many negatives, but at least they're in school. Right. But besides that, uh, uh, a pile of turd is still a pile of turd. And whether they're wearing masks or whether schools are closed, both policies are terrible, and there's absolutely no reason schools should be closed 
at any point this year unless the class has to quarantine with symptoms, with symptoms, because close contacts, if you have a close contact and you're asymptomatic, that's what the protections are for. Allegedly, if the protections work so well, the mask is foolproof, why are we quarantining asymptomatic close contacts? But I digress with that. Stat of the day, before I get into my college football predictions, I don't remember this exact source. I'll try to find it by next show. But there was a poll done. I'm not sure by what group. I'll try to find this if I can. But it basically polled, like, your views on your race, like, basically your identity. And, of course, the only group of people that had a negative, a more negative self-image than positive was white liberals. Not surprising, of course, very self-hating but that was the only group that had a negative self-image of themselves. That's my stat of the day for you, Miss Post. Thank you for that, Mr. Thomas. Uh, real quick, college football preview starts Thursday. Ohio State at Minnesota, 8 o'clock. Go Bucks! Buckeyes bringing in a new quarterback. C.J. Stroud played a bit last year, replacing the legendary Justin Fields. Tough game for my Buckeyes on the road. I think they'll get it done. Struggle for a bit. Crowd will be back, hyped after being off for a year. Don't get me started on the Big Ten and their poor decision-making, but that's a different episode. I think Buckeyes will take it. I'm going to say 35-20, 35-20, Miss Post. I think Ohio State will take it. Sadly, I do not have them in my college football Final Four, though. I have Clemson at one undefeated, Bama at two undefeated, Oklahoma 12-1, and one, and actually Georgia 11-2. I had them getting over a one-loss Ohio State Big Ten champ. Why? Because a couple years ago they set the precedent by having two-loss Georgia ahead of one-loss Ohio State at the end of the season. I think they'll bring that precedent to fruition this time around and leave my Buckeyes out sadly and I have Bama over Clemson for the title not really a shock but that's just kind of how it goes in today's college football world Miss Post are you excited for college football um maybe I'm thinking we may need to get another sub podcast for you to talk about your football interests because they are quite wide we'll have to get my boy Wally in here again shout out to Wally shout out to Ferd shout out to Drew uh and Miss Post, Indiana-Iowa, huge game this weekend as well. Give us your picks on that. Indiana-Iowa, give us your picks. Um, it's well, in Iowa, by the way. Oh, in Iowa. I would, I mean, always Indiana, no doubt. Always going to root for them. I'm going to take IU, too. I, this is a pick game, I believe, in the group, in the pick I have. Uh, I'm going to take IU, too. Not common for me to pick them on the road, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Big game. All right, two more picks, Miss Post, then you can go. Penn State, Wisconsin. Who do you got at Wisconsin? Uh, Wisconsin. I'm picking Wisconsin as well at home. Big game there. Lastly, Georgia-Clemson, huge game, top five in Charlotte, North Carolina, neutral site game. Who do you got? Clemson. I got to go Clemson, too. I mean, I think uh, Georgia's quarterback is good. Played more last year than Clemson's did, but it's hard to bet against Clemson. And Georgia, they've been prone to lose the big one many times. I'm going to take Clemson in Charlotte. Huge game, though. The loser, definitely not out of it, but needs to win out, except not according to me because I have Georgia losing in the last game to Alabama in the SC title game. If Clemson loses, they definitely need to win out. But a huge game. College football's back. Fans back. Bands back. And this post is just a beautiful time to be alive. And I can't wait to watch games with you all weekend yes and for the viewers at home listeners at home excuse me she's excited about that too yeah (laughs) uh we'll see you next week we're gonna talk a little bit more about football maybe later this week first but next week is the nfl preview as well uh i already told miss post my super bowl picks but i will tell you all next week as well spoiler i do not have the browns in the playoffs 
call me a hater, but I honestly, I think they'll be good. I just think there's too many teams in the AFC that are better. And I think the Browns will be left out. But stay tuned for the rest of my picks next week. Yes. Thank you for joining in today on Scoops. Yes, thanks for tuning in. Uh, subscribe, hit that subscribe button, and uh, hit me up if you have any. And again, still wait, waiting on the study that shows that masks are effective. Put it in my timeline, at Coach Thomas 2021. Haven't seen it yet. We're waiting if, if for you it. If you got it, hit me up. And don't give me the Duke one because, again, no control group. That's what we say. Yeah. Weak sauce. Weak sauce. Bum T- status. Bum status. We're ballers here at uh, BKTV Studios. <laughs> Take care.